right here as Katsuri gets to Nisna. Makes a nice move in across the line. Drops it back to Nakti. Nakti passes to shot. They score! Oscar Lindblom buries it! And the power play goal ties this game in two! It's episode 66 of the Liberty O. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? I feel fresh because we, we have a new coat of paint Yep. on the Twitter account, party, the whole thing. Thanks Design to Drew. Tree hooked us up. Yeah, Drew and Naj shouting them out off the start of the episode because I think it is so fire. I love it. I mean, we put it on the podcast outline. On You did it, and Twitter looks awesome. The tweets look awesome. We're getting into it. Rookie camp is, what, eight days away. The roster is out for that, so... I'm excited. Hockey's right around the corner. We gotta get through one more, one more week of, of nothing, of preseason football before we can get some sort of hockey in here. Yeah, when you just said that, I just looked down at the days. I was like, wait, eight days for real? Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, at eight days until, like you said, that dead stretches, that dog days of August, are completely done. At least for us. Like I'm sure people who, there are some people who probably don't really give a shit about development camp. <laughs> Like we do, like for us though, like this is when get back in the swing of things, things start to feel normal again and the excitement builds, but um, I'm sure for an average fan that they don't really give a fuck. I mean, obviously it's not guys like Provorov, Sanheim, Konechny anymore, Phil Myers, Hart, used to make, I mean, like all the, I mean, used to make it would be there, but you know what I mean? It's not those top end guys. I mean, you still have York, you still have Frost. Those are definitely top end guys, Allison, but. There's some still some really exciting players in that roster. I don't know if we're going to go through them, but for sure, I'm excited to get things going soon. Dude, uh, yeah, let's just start going through them off the start because this is probably what we should kick this off with. Um, hey, just because we're so excited for it and it's what's on the horizon, upcoming. Um, I want to start with Frost, though. And I know that it, it might be some people rolling their eyes here a little bit, but uh, I'm going to start with Why? Frost just because... Oh, you know why. <laughs> don't, don't bait me like that. Oh, you know. I know. It's just, it's ridiculous. We gotta go. <laughs> well, and I said this to you as soon as it was announced that he's going to be going to the camp, but um, he's going to light them up. He or has so to. you would think, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the, he's the, like the Nate Thompson veteran guy of the dev camp at this point. This is his last year of going to it. So I, in my opinion, I think it's more of a, let's just, get him ice time and like get him in kind of game competition kind of feel kind of thing because he has not played hockey. I mean we talk about it all the time. Since before that COVID stoppage happened, he didn't had did not play a, a, a long stretch of hockey since then. And that's a really, really long time to not play professional hockey and then jump right back into a training camp and then fight for a three speed uh three C spot. So I do think that getting him in the dev camp is just getting him ice time and just getting him back in equipment, back on the ice, in not a game situation, obviously, but back competing, hitting, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Do you remember just like, and the first thing I thought about was just a couple of years ago when he ended that rookie camp with that beautiful shootout goal mm-hmm. and just the amount of confidence we had and he had going into the training camp, into the season. And obviously that translated in when he was started in the AHL, he was an all star. And I just think it's a layup. Like, I really do. Because he's going to go out there against competition that he should, on paper, be better than. He's going to, like you said, get his skating legs, get his confidence up. And um, really just ingrain, like get himself back ingrained within the organization again. Like, talking to trainers, talking to, you know, just everyone around the building. Like, I think it's awesome. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he'll be on the during dev camp. He'll be the first line center. So whoever he's with, I'm sure he'll either be Allison, Forrester, or somebody like that. So, yeah, whatever line he's on is going to be really, really dangerous. So he's got to completely dominate that camp. I'm pretty sure he will. He's usually really good in camps. I mean, he won the 13th forest spot at a camp last year. So, yeah, he's definitely, like, the main guy in this dev camp that everybody's looking at. Obviously, you got... Cam York as another guy who could potentially make the team out of camp, but he would have to kind of blow the doors off to do that. But some very exciting players in this dev camp, man. I'm excited. York, another one of those guys who you think it's it's just going to kind of be a layup for him. Like, he's better than the competition for the most part, and we expect him to go in there and kind of be the man. Like, remember a couple dev camps ago when we went there and Phil Myers and Sandheim were just men amongst boys? And we were like, like, all right, they're ready. You know what I mean? Remember yeah, that absolutely, absolutely. And even Cam York's first dev camp here in Philadelphia, we went to, and he, and it was a week, maybe even less, after he got drafted, and he was thrown into that camp. And when we, when we say it all the time, he looked really good, and it gave us the confidence going into the next season, his freshman year at Michigan, to really say that, like, hey, I think we have a really good player on our hands. Like everyone was all upset over Caulfield, and rightfully so, with the whole sniper goal scorer kind of thing but yeah he, he has done nothing but ex- just exceed expectations that we've had for him ever since we drafted him and like like frost and like you just said yeah i do expect him to come into this camp and just kind of be better than everybody around him because he kind of is yeah and I, I would you throw a guy like wade allison into that class yet yeah, no, no, he he's another guy that you look at and you have to have a good development camp, rookie camp, because you're 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 past that. Like, ideally, Allison and Frost are two guys that shouldn't really be at this camp. I mean, Frost is 22, Allison's 23, so I mean, without injuries, those two guys would probably have enough games under their belt where they wouldn't be considered rookies, so they wouldn't even be here. Like, if Frost doesn't get hurt last year or that weird-ass play behind the net, he's not in this camp because he has over 25 NHL games, which doesn't consider you a rookie anymore, and he only has 22 right now. And then Allison only has 14. So, like, those are definitely two guys where you look at and you basically say you have to have a good camp. You have to be the best players on the ice. I mean, you say it with York, but York only has three NHL games a handful of AHL games. So even with him, you can maybe give him a pass if he doesn't have a good rookie camp. But even with a guy like Cam York, I expect him to just be better than everybody there because he is. A couple of guys who really pop off the page that I I really want to see just because they're a little undercover in terms of the rankings within our farm system. Mm -hmm. Elliot Desnoyers, Connor McLennan I want to see, and Samuel Erson. I really want to see Samuel Erson because – I always see tweets and highlight videos of him killing it. And every time I've seen him at dev camp, he's looked good. And I I want to see him continue to get better. And I was just talking to you the other day how I'm really excited to see what the goalies look like in this development camp. I mean, yeah, Erson's somebody that you've been talking about for a while now. Obviously, uh, Tanner Lazinski is another guy that got some NHL looks last year. Five games, didn't score a point. But, I mean, I I think he had one point. One or zero. But he's another guy who got NHL time last year, and he needs to have a good rookie camp too. Like He's a guy that's going to go into training camp and be fighting for a spot. So he's another guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing in, in camp, and he's another dude that should be better than everybody else. There are some names on this list that I have no idea who they are. Oh, yeah, we were just talking about that before the show. Like <laughs> Cooper Zek, number 68. All right. 
Like, I have no I'm idea who it. that is, but guys like Frost, York, Zamula, Forrester, Allison, Lazinski, Cates, like, these guys should just be better than them. And looking, really looking forward to just seeing hockey again, man. Just just getting out there. Hopefully, it's pu- the public's allowed to, to be there and, and watch. But just to get back into a hockey kind of groove, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, that's pretty much just the news we're awaiting now, just to see if fans could be in attendance with mm. what the regulations are going to be like. And I'm interested to see if, if there's going to be any difference in the regulations of rookie camp to training camp and so on and so forth. I just wonder how they're going to do the whole thing. Because like you said, it's eight days away. And it is if, close. We, if we want to, let's say, like attend all of them, make a plan for it, I would like for the Flyers to tell us, you know, not two days before the event. <laughs> That would be sweet. I yeah, mean, a couple of days in advance would be really nice. Just to go back to the Tanner Luzinski thing, he did have zero points in five games in his NHL stint this year. So he's definitely a guy that I'm looking at to have a good rookie camp. I'm excited to see him. He's 24 years old, so he's another older guy. So this probably will be his last dev camp too. Yeah. All eyes are on guys like Forrester and Teomalo, first round, or I guess the first picks of their respective drafts. Mm-hmm. And um, Linus Hallberg is another one. Wyatt Wiley, a couple of guys. Used to make is going to be there. Ratcliffe is yeah. going to be back. Matthew Strome, who went to the ECHL last year, got sent down there. He'll be there. Mason Millman had a really good first first pro year last year. So yeah, there are a ton of guys. It's going to be really fun. Linus Sandine, who turned red hot towards the end of the AHL season, picked up his goal scoring ability. Yeah, there's a ton of dudes. Maxim Suzuko, we saw him in the NHL a little bit. I want to take this time to say prayers up for Zade Wisdom. Oh, for sure. He just got surgery, yeah. That, that kind of broke my heart to see that news. I'm not going to lie to you because I think literally just the day before that news came out, I was talking to you and I was saying like, oh, if you're the Flyers, you almost have to feel like you skipped a year with Wisdom and now it's like, oh, right eh, back to break it, even. Yeah. It's a wash. I mean, we talk about that all the time where Forrester and Wisdom, you can look at them – and basically say they skipped a year in development with the way they performed as teenagers in the AHL. I mean, Forrester was just so much better than I actually thought he was going to be. So was Wisdom. I mean, Wisdom not only brought the the skill and the points, but the fighting and the ability to stick up for your teammates is something that doesn't show up on the score sheet, obviously. But, I mean, I have tweets out there. You can go on the Liberty Yell on Twitter and look. Zade Wisdom countless times has defended his teammates and just honestly beat the shit out of guys as like an 18-year-old kid in a pro league. So that kid is going to be a really good hockey player, and if he isn't used in a trade to bring an active NHL player here at some point in time, if he actually suits up in orange and black, which I really hope he does, he is going to be a fan favorite very soon because he not only brings that like physical edge that every Flyers fan obviously loves, but he has the the mitts and the the scoring ability to back that up and he's going to be a hell of a player if he uh if he pans out man i'm excited to see him and on the tyson forster front he's a guy when we drafted him the biggest complaint was skating and he was kind of looked at like with the way his skating was all rough he was kind of looked at as like an early on project but like he came out in the ahl and he kind of just killed any doubts of yeah, he a did. halt in his development that I thought there was going to be with the skating thing. Like I remember his um, skating coach after he was drafted went on multiple podcasts and was saying like, "No, no, I mean, it's been a while since he's last played hockey. Like he he's worked on his skating. He looks improved, and uh, he was right. 
Like he was very adamant about that as well. I do remember him being like, "No, no, no, you have not. I've I've been working with Tyson all over the summer, and like you have not seen him play yet. Like he his skating's fine." And like you said, showed that in in the AHL. I mean, he was skating with grown men, and he was third on the Phantoms in points. I mean, he he had a really, really, really impressive. D plus one year. We want to talk about Dayrene having a really impressive D plus one year. I mean, you can look at Forrester and Wisdom and say that they had more impressive D plus one years because they did it in pro leagues. I mean, Dayrene did it in the QMJHL, and while I'm not going to take that away from him, he finished seventh overall in the QMJHL in points. I mean, that's nothing to, to shy away from. But and before these... the the COVID stoppage, he led. Like they, I remember, yeah. they had a stoppage around December because we got refunded for our QMJHL pass. I yeah. Remember that. And before that, he was leading. He was leading the league. Yeah, he finished seventh in the leagues, but he was leading the league. He finished first overall on the Halifax Mooseheads in points. So he is another guy that, I mean, I said it in my article a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. If he has another one of those years this year, he's going to catapult his way up into my top five in this process. I mean, really, dude. Like, he's really going to start separating himself. Right now, I mean, it was awesome seeing him have that kind of D plus one year that he did have. But if he does it again, or or adds more to what he did last year, and he's really going to start. That, that's why I himself. think it's so impressive with him, and that's why I'm so um, enamored with him is because he's a fifth round pick. Yeah, he's, he's a fifth round pick, man. He's. And, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. No, I was just I was just going to continue on your point that if he continues and keeps this up, basically what he did was like fifth round picks, they don't have a spotlight on them. No one's watching them closely. What he did was force the spotlight on them. Guys like diehards, guys like us are now watching Elliot Desnoyers closely. And if he goes out now and breaks the doors down down at Halifax, I mean shit. Like we're going to be free marketing for this guy. We really are. I mean, like you said, he's a late round pick. And he's nothing but house money. And we talked about it right after he was drafted. It's nothing but house money with Elliot Dernay right now. He had 21 goals, 38 assists, 49 points, and 37 games for the Mooseheads last year. And like you said, the Mooseheads did go through like a huge COVID break where Dernay was leading the league. So, 135th overall pick. So, it's house money. If he turns into anything, he might not suit up for the Flyers but he can always be used in a trade because value, value, value. I mean, if he has another great D plus two year, it, it, it turns into to assets that you can potentially trade. And I'm not saying he's going to be like teams are going to be calling for Elliot Day or an A if he has a great D plus two year in the QMJHL, but just it, it, it builds and it, you can build assets and a deep prospect pool is what you want. Exactly. I mean, it's looking so deep because I remember we were talking, especially after the Ellis deal, and so on, we were, like, very excited at the fact that we didn't have to give up anybody, any, any like, notable prospects, any notable future guys. And even if we were to have done that, we would have had the depth to avoid dealing a Froster York. Like, we had, like, Forster, Wisdom, Alice. I mean, like, there's just so much Lezinski. asset value there. Also, to add on day or nay, he, he's a left wing. So um, we're not very deep at left wing in this organization. I mean, we have G, Faraby plays left and right, JVR, Limblom, and then it goes Dayerne, Ratcliffe, Stroman, and Wilman. I mean, we don't really have that much depth on the left side. So Dayerne turning into something could be really, really nice for this team, man. 
It'd be he's really very nice. coachable. He wears a letter. The players on his team, they're young. They look to him as a leader. I mean, I know we always used to talk about that back in November because this guy literally dominated our Twitter page back in November. He did. Like all of our tweets about him were blowing up because he would have like a five-point game followed by a four-point game, and it was Patrick's, fun to watch. Dude. Yeah, he just—he was just—he—he's he, a fun player. And the, the thing with Dayernay was coming into the the draft, he had a really good two-way game already. Scouts had no worries about that. It was just scouts wanted the offensive ability to be more consistent, and like that was the big thing on him. And then he was traded from the Wildcats to the Mooseheads, and then he exploded, and he showed those scouts that he indeed does have that offensive ability to go along with the two-way play. So Chuck definitely got a player that would have probably went a lot earlier in the next draft. Say he did what he did last year and then was in this draft that just happened. So he probably would have went higher. So I like it. I love it. Dude, just to add to the prospect depth. Exactly. Zamula, bro. Like Zamula, that's just another guy that you could put on the totem pole, another asset. Um, man, it's it's looking deep. If if you think about all the players that have already graduated to the NHL that are playing on the team, and yeah. the, and the prospect pool is still this deep, it's um it's really a testament to how good the drafting has been within the organization. I mean, obviously there's been misses, but I mean, like you said, there's guys that we have drafted that are actively big parts of this organization, like Konechny, Faraby just led the team in goals last year. Frost is probably going to be playing on this team next year. NAK drafted here. Allison. You got York probably going to make an impact. Sandheim was drafted. Provy. I mean, it just, like you said, there's a ton of guys that have been drafted over the past couple of handful of years that are going to be huge parts of this team moving forward. So, uh, I'm I, excited. I know it's completely different regimes, but even the veterans mm-hmm. like Giroux, Couturier drafted here. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's it's... I love it's it. Exciting, man. I know. I'm excited. I just want rookie camp. Like, I I will gladly just watch that until we get training camp, man. I'm I'm so excited just to get hockey back. I really hope we can go. Me too. And I hope they can tell us soon, so that we I, can. Like, but I can go to all of them. I want to go to all of them. And Absolutely. They need to let us know soon. So Carchidi, get on it, man. Or or, or Basco. Basco will be on that too. Yeah, yeah a- anybody who has the the inside hookup, come on, <laughs> hook us up, hook us up. Uh, opening night lineup, you want to get into that? Let's do it. What's your opening night lineup? Because I wrote mine down, but I'm interested to see if yours is anywhere near mine. Um, oh, so you kind of put me on the spot because I'm looking at yours, and now I gotta like craft mine on All the right. air now. Let's go by uh, let's go by lines then. We can go by that because then you can kind of like eliminate players as we go because you're if i if i had to just shoot right now if i had to just shoot for it right now i would go lindblom coots tk that lines back together jvr hayes connectney or no hayes atkinson okay because that connectney would be on the first line um Faraby. Or Giroux, Frost, Farabee. I'm, I want that so bad. I tell you, I like, and I'm serious about it this time. I feel like in years past, I've like put that line combo together, and I'd like, oh, that's my dream lineup. I want that this year. I think that's realistic. I think that revives G. We'll get more into that in a second. And my fourth line would be the same as you. Uh, Lawton, Thompson, or Lazinski, followed by Allison on the wing. 
I would really like that fourth line. Let's start with the fourth line because it's the same. We have the same fourth line. I, I mean, Lawton on that wing where every, like, everybody can agree that's where we want him in a wing position on in the bottom six. So I think Lawton with a, a, a grinding Thompson and then a, a goal scorer like Allison could be a really, really good fourth line. Like sneaky good, I think. I mean, dude, we've said it ever since we started the podcast. Lawton is one of those guys that, like, when you start seeing him seep into your second and third line, you're like, okay, maybe my team isn't good. When you see him on your fourth line, the way he plays, what he brings to the team, he's he's the perfect fourth liner. He's that kind of guy that you see on the playoff team, on the fourth line battling. And Allison, too. I mean, I know he's only played 14 games, and I'm not trying to put a crazy expectation on him, but he seems like he plays with that chip on his shoulder that Lawton does. That I don't give a fuck attitude that like after you score a goal you'll go and scream at the opposition bench just cause no absolutely I agree I I wrote an article today that's probably going to come out soon I, I really do think that fourth line would complement each other really well I mean all three guys play really really tough kind of physical games Allison finishes his checks Lawton loves to hit and we all know what Thompson brings Lawton and Thompson can can bring the, the tough four checking kind of physical play along with Allison but then when Lawton and Thompson create Allison's got that shot. We've seen it to finish. So like, I, I really do think that fourth line could be really good. Consistency is an issue, though. Like, I want AV to just keep them. To, like, if that's what he's going to go with or some version of that, like make it consistent. Only take a couple guys. Only take a guy out if he's playing extremely bad. Because I, in my lineup, NAK is the extra forward. So the only way I would throw NAK in if is somebody's struggling mightily. You know what I mean? Like Don't break it up just because they had maybe a bad game or a bad game and a half. Like, I want to see a lot more consistency with the lines this year than we saw last year. And I think it all is going to start with the fourth line. I think that's where you build your foundation. Obviously, having a great first line is everything. But having a good fourth line that can do both, grind games out and have the skill to, to, to score is really important. I do think that that fourth line gives both. Oh, it's so important. Anytime you tune in or watch an Islanders game, you always hear the broadcast team, the patented fourth line, and they're yeah. always doing some crazy shit on the ice. Like, it's so important. Vegas? I mean, Vegas had a couple of rookies last year that came into the uh, came on the team and played some important fourth line minutes at the end of the regular season and in the playoffs on ELC contracts. Like, that's what you need. You need to have good depth on ELC contracts that can bring good play. I mean, Keegan Colasar makes $725,000. And I remember watching him in the playoffs and being like, who is this kid? Like, this is this kid's exciting as hell to, to watch. He's a 24-year-old kid, and he's on an ELC. Just things like that. Getting ELC contracts in depth roles who can bring important like situations to the team is so important, man. Like I, I really want the Flyers to 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 cash in on that one. I, I, I that's what I thought they were going to be doing with Cam York, but they, then they brought in Keith Yandel. But the more and more I think about that situation, it does make sense. Chuck's kind of protecting himself with with the kids again. Yeah, and I think the one added benefit Chuck has is like it's kind of flexible, right? So like if York is breaking the doors down, or say he starts in the AHL and he's lighting it up, th- there will be a spot for him. Like it's not like there's, there's a like like Justin Braun like he he could fill in for Braun. I want to run something by you real quick, and this is nothing but a conspiracy that I have just. I mean, it's the dead of the off season, so obviously I've been sitting here just thinking. 
But with all the like, Sandheim's the last RFA left. Zadorov just signed his contract for three point five. It's been nothing but quiet with Sandheim's situation, and I don't know if that's because if it's a it's an arbitration case and they're just really really quiet. But like I said before, this is nothing but speculation. But I've been thinking. What if Chuck is like, okay, he he's waiting until the very last minute to be like, okay, is he going to get, because he makes 3.2 right now, and he's going to get a little bit of a pay raise. We we both agreed on that. Chuck's thinking maybe, okay, I brought in Keith Yandel, who's going to be here. He has a full no-move no, no move clause, so he's going to be here all year. Maybe he can tra- he trades Sandheim, because if, if he signs Sandheim to like 3.6 or like 3.9, He's going to have no cap space left over. And we always talk about how Chuck always likes to have cap space left over for transactions during the middle of the season. And if if he signs, uh, if he signs Sandheim, which I think he ultimately will, it's, it's going to leave him nothing. So if he trades... Hold on, let me rephrase this. What would you do if essentially he trades Sandheim to get a little bit of cap space and then he uses Keith Yandel in that second pair spot with just the line and then inserts York and Braun? First instinct, it's an insane gamble. Insane really. gamble. Because Ristolainen and himself is a and I'm not saying Sandheim's a sure thing. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. the thought of an aging Yandel with a <laughs> bad Ristolainen, and, and I'm not saying that these guys are going to be bad, but I'm saying I could see it. I could see it. Absolutely. And if it goes bad, I think it would go awful, and I think it would be like the, the fucking Gustafson thing all over again. It's just something that popped in my head. Obviously, it's not ever gonna. It's probably not gonna happen. But like, I always thought, like maybe he looks at it. He's like, maybe I can save a little bit of money, and then York, York can maybe slot into where Sandheim was playing, and maybe be a little bit better, if not. Or better. yeah, but, yeah. What, what if what if they maybe brought like Ellis down to the second pair or something? I don't. Know. Crazy shit could happen. And obviously, this is us just sitting here, just thinking of shit in the dead of the off season. But I don't know. I'm just thinking. Obviously, they wouldn't want to throw York in a top fair, a top four minute pairing role when he has three NHL games to his belt. Even if he does knock the doors down in training camp, that is a lot to put on a 20-year-old rookie. So, conspiracy theories for the win. <laughs> oh, actually, I don't think we talked about Sam Warren getting extended. We could talk uh, about Warren. That was something we kind of, like, clamored for on the podcast. We were like, yo, it's it's the perfect uh, seventh defenseman. So, hey, he did it. He wanted, yeah, he wanted to be back. It's cheap. He wants to be here, like I said. It's, it was a pretty easy decision, in my opinion. I mean, Chuck probably could agree. Uh, he's going to be fighting for a spot, but he most likely the seventh defenseman. And I think on a Saturday night game at 7 o'clock against Washington at home, he's the kind of guy you play. Absolutely. I'll be on, I'm excited for it. I like Sam Moore, and I got nothing against him. On to the goalies. Carter Hart just got extended to $3.979 million across three seasons. No matter what way you spin it, everyone's like, oh, it's a lot for an RFA goalie deal. All When Carter Hart is at his best, he, he plays beyond $3.9 million. Yeah, and he he started to, to roll around into his own towards the end of the season before he stopped playing, before they cut him off last year. I think in front of this new improved, hopefully improved defense, he's going to have a better, a better year. But uh, we talked about it. Shazerkin got what five nine for the next how how many years? Five six. Five six for the next how many years? I think it was two, right? I think so. Yeah. 
No. Not 100% certain. Four years. Four years. Oh, he signed, man. yeah. Four years, 22.6 million, five, six a year. So he's wrapped up till 2024, 2025. Listen, I don't think that's going to be terrible. Me either. But it makes Carter Hart's deal look better. Yeah. So do you want to get into the stats did. real quick that we just talked about before we hit record? Because I didn't even like I didn't even think it was like this close. Like, I thought Shazirkin had like better numbers by by far. But now looking back on it, he really doesn't. Like I know Carter Hart had a pretty bad year last year. Twenty seven games, three six seven goals against average with an eight seven seven save percentage. That's awful, obviously. But if you look around the situation that he was in, the defense, Brian Elliott played like shit too. I think any goalie that you put in there, put in that situation, was probably going to have a bad year. So take that out of the way. So Zirkin's first year in the NHL, he played 12 games in 2019 and uh, 2020. He had a 2-5-2 goals against that and a 9-3-2 save percentage. Hart's first year in the NHL, he played 31 games, and he had a 2-8-3 goals against average and a 9-17 save percentage. And then Zirkin last year, Sergeant has only played two years in the NHL, and he's three years older than Hart. Last year, he had 35 games, 262 goals against average, and a 916 save percentage. So that's Sergeant's best year, which is last year in a full season. He had a 262 goals against average and a 916. In Hart's best year, which was obviously 2019 2020, 43 games, a 242, and a 914. So I do think, and then Hart's three years younger. So I do think that the Flyers. Got a better deal. And I know like people are going to be like, oh, Hart sucked last year. Especially non-Flyers fans if they were listening to this, which I'm sure they're not. But they'd be like, oh, Hart was just fucking awful last year, which he was. Like, I'm not defending that. But that also had to do with a lot more than just Carter Hart. Like, it wasn't like the fucking team was good. And then Hart was a big disappointment. We were all like, oh, if we had a good goalie, we'd be in the playoffs. But no, nah, everybody sucked last year. <laughs> One theme I've, I've gathered, because I've been watching all the interviews with all the new players, one theme I gathered from Carter Hart was that he took some time off, he focused a little bit, he, he regathered himself, and he, he wants to get back at it. Like, he's pissed at the way things ended last year. And so are the rest of the guys. Like, when Yendel first signed, when, when he got interviewed, I think it was by Mert, uh, when he was playing with Hayes, and he was like, yeah, he's like, the boys are upset with the way last year ended, and they're ready to get back at it. And for someone that new to the team, they'll get the vibe, like, yo, these guys are pissed with the way last year went. They're hyped to get back at it. it. It really, like, I've heard, that's been the constant theme. I've heard, like, five different players say that in interviews. Cam said it, too. Did Cam, he? Cam said this. Cam said he talked to a couple of guys, and he seemed like they were really ready to go. And then when Chuck Fletcher was on... NHL Network, I believe, like during the draft, he gave an interview and he was like, when I traded for Cam and I called him, I usually call every player I trade for, obviously, and they're excited to come. But he was, I have never had a player sound that excited to be a flyer. Like, Cam was fired up and ready to go. And I was just yeah, like, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk fuck. about Cam. Let, let, I was like, let's fucking go, bro. Like, this guy wants to be a fucking flyer. Like, all these people... Like, on the timeline, I always see these people, ooh, people don't want to come to Philadelphia. People don't want to come to Philadelphia. As if Kevin Hayes didn't sign a deal with us, even though he was traded here, his rights were traded here. But he had an option not to sign with us. But to see Cam Atkinson come, like, get traded here, obviously he didn't have an option either. But to see a guy so excited to be a part of the organization and to be a part of the city, it's so good to see. Because all I've heard for the last couple of years about how players don't want to play in Philadelphia, whether that's signing here or getting traded here. 
it's really nice to finally, like, it, not finally, because we've seen it, but it's nice to see a player that has no connection with the Flyers besides his best friend being Scotty Hartnell and knowing a couple other players be really excited to join the city. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree, dude. The way Atkinson has handled the whole... Everything. Uh, Yeah, it's been perfect. It's been it... beautiful. I'm going to say something funny real quick. <laughs> what? Uh, I just think it's very funny how act like so the trade is Voracek for Atkinson, so <laughs> le- leaving the city is a guy who you can't interact with on Twitter. He'll block the fuck out of you in record speed. Yes, and then you have Atkinson who's like the polar opposite. Like you tweet at him, he'll like it, quote tweet it, yeah, he's respond awesome. to you sometimes. Like like I I love uh, especially this city. This city loves players like that players that, that interact with the Danny, fans Danny, I sat and watched Cam Agassin eat a cheese, eat multiple cheesesteaks, dude, yeah, and I, I enjoyed it. it. It was I fun. I, was, I think I was smiling when I was watching I, it. I, I was cheesing from corner to corner, dude, watching Cam Agassin eat a fucking cheesesteak, eat Geno's and Pat's. I, it's, I'm so excited for this season, bro. <laughs> it's just such a new energy around the team, and I'm not even fucking there. And I'm not even in the room. I'm, I'm so excited for these for these players man i really am they're fired up i'm fired up and i cannot wait to bring the energy back to the wells fargo center i'm telling you if we can sell out that stadium and i'm saying if because yeah it's an if it's a fucking it you never know what the next two months are gonna bring if we can pack that building and if we have a playoff team it's gonna be fucking bad toy tailgates drunk dominating (laughs) sections october the goalie's name October 15th is happening. We are tailgating that game. We've been saying it for a couple episodes. We will be there. Whoever's listening, if you come down to the game or if you come down to Philadelphia and, and, and hit a bar for the game, come meet up with us. We will be there. We're, we're a text away. We're a DM away, a tweet away. We will respond to everybody. We want to meet everyone. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a completely different vibe. It's going to be Cam. I'm a Cam Agus and Rasmus with the line and Fucking Morgan Frost, fucking Ryan Ellis. Let's go, dude. Like, let's, fuck, let's fucking go. I'm pumped, dude. I'm, I'm ready. Especially for uh, Ristolainen. Ristolainen. If, if all goes well with Ristolainen, I think he could be. Uh, actually, I can't say it no, with Ellis. No, say it. Say it. I can't right say now. it with Ellis. I can't say it with Ellis. I was going to say, he could be pro- the best pickup if he nah, yeah, nah. performs to his ceiling. I think, obviously. The Flyers needed to do multiple things this offseason, but I think because of how fast they did things, the the Ellis deal is just really like kind of not left in the dust. But I just I feel like nobody, I feel like people aren't talking enough about it. That's such a good trade, Danny. The more and more I sit and stew in it, and the more as more time goes by, that's such a good trade, bro. It Dare really I is. I say the best defensive acquisition of the offseason. Trade and free signing, uh, and, and 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 free agency. Yep, the best value. You're, I, I mean, like you're getting the best asset. You have to include the six million dollars for six more years. Right-handed shot, top pair. Like you can't just be like, no, well, well, Seth Jones is better than him. No, you have to take into account Seth Jones is making ten million dollars. <sighs> yeah, he is. No, absolutely. You got to think about the value, not only on the ice, but cap space too that Ryan Ellis brings and the fact that we got that for two guys that just were not good last year and and, and Ryan Ellis and Nolan Patrick it just 
it's kind of crazy the more I think about it. Like Ryan Ellis is going to be such a huge part of this team next year, on and off, like inside that locker room and on the ice. He's going to give Proveroff so much more room to do his thing, like we saw Niskanen do. Hopefully, Rissalainen works out. I'm really excited to see him. Maybe it's just the Flyers fan talking in me, but I really do think the the reduced role will help him. Um, I don't think he's as bad as ever. Like, I don't think he's as bad as the people who like fucking hate him think they think he is. But then again, I also don't think he's like this number one defenseman who. I I, I also feel like some people are just looking by that he is kind of bad. And, and just being like, no, it was Buffalo. Or, like, no, it was this. Like, no. Like, like he was definitely bad at times. Like, he, he he's not going to be this perfect defenseman. Like, there's definitely things about his game that we're not going to like. But then there's also parts of his game that he's going to bring that this team just needed. Like, he, there are things that are not going to show up on the score sheet every game that we needed. And that he's going to bring 100%. So, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see him just clear the crease. And just get people to fuck off heart. You know what I mean? That's why I think it's such a waste of time to sit there and speculate on if Risto's going to be good or if he's not. And even arguing about it. Because we've never seen... Like we, like you said, we saw him in Buffalo in the top pair. So and so, like, But yes, he was bad. But he's going into a new situation. So it's one of those things where like you've never seen him in this... Never seen him on a new team. Never seen him in a new situation. You just got to wait and see. Like, you just got to wait and see. Before I complain about Risto Linen... He's got to make a bonehead play in a Flyers jersey for me to complain. Like, you, yeah, he has to goo this grenade it for me to get really upset with him multiple times. Like, you're not going to see us flip the switch with Ristolainen if he has a couple of bad games to start the year. Because, like, you got to give this guy time. You got to give Ryan Ellis time. Like, these new guys need a little bit of time to, to mesh with the team. And training camp's going to help that. Having a preseason finally this year is going to help that. But I do think we need to, like, Flyers Twitter especially just needs to like reel back the freak out if this doesn't start out well, and then also reel back the freak out if this starts really well. Like, I, I, it, can, it goes both ways. Like let's be patient with this team because I do think that they are improved. We also got to remember full eighty-two games as well, so it's yeah. not going to feel as condensed at like every game's at like so important yeah like and there's last year did and there's canadian trips now like there's west coast trips that we're gonna get back again so like we're gonna get those nine ten o'clock games back and i even know i know we complain about them danny but i low-key missed them i did i missed getting home not not having a seven o'clock game like relaxing a little bit and then tuning into a nice like late hockey kind of like flyers after dark kind of thing yeah i don't I mind i don't mind flyers after dark i'll tell you when i do mind it when the season <laughs> starts on october 4th yeah yet the flyer season starts on october 9th five days later and it's in san jose at fucking 11 p.m that's when i get mad i mean it's kind of i mean the the season starts what october 11th this year and we don't play till the 15th so there's four days yeah I between and that was the first thing I saw. So and I think I said it to you immediately. I don't. I, I don't know if you remember me saying it to you, but I remember saying, "And we start four days after the start date because, of course, <laughs> of course, we don't get that ESPN broadcast." Oh no! Yeah, back. you know it had to be something. If, if we weren't in a different country or in a different fucking time zone in the West Coast, you knew it had to be. Some kind, of, yeah, you know, it had to be some kind of cheese involved. Yeah. Oh, bro, that's going to suck. Like, if you really think, about oh, dang, it, like, it's gonna blow, dude. I mean, the only thing that's gonna make up for it is the fact that it's on a Friday. 
and we're gonna be live for it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like if it was like if the season started on a Sunday and we didn't play till like a Wednesday, I'd be like, that's so fucking ugly. But the fact that it's on a Friday eases the pain a little bit. Yeah, actually, it takes all the pain away completely. Because <laughs> otherwise, that game would be on what Monday, Tuesday. So yeah, dude. Some yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad it's on the Friday because then we can make it the the big home opener, the energetic home opener, and we we say we're gonna make it. So I'm no longer mad about that. No, not not at all, not at all. Hart and Jones are obviously the goalies, but Jones is another one that we haven't really talked about. So yeah. we get into him a little bit. Martin Jones. Obviously, if you go and look at his numbers, they're not the best. I According mean, to Chuck, his 5v5 numbers are good. Yeah, I did. On, on the better side. And I think he's just banking on not having a terrible PK like the Sharks had and not taking as many penalties as the Sharks did and keeping on an even strength. And he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be the backup. Yeah. So. I also think he's banking on Jones not playing in front of a trash team. And even though the team was trash last year, I think Chuck is... I think Chuck is banking on the team just not being that next year. Like I, I love how clear the message from Chuck has been to the fans, the organization, the players. Like it's so clear that he was just not, he was not satisfied with the play last year and how unacceptable it really was. And it wasn't just talk. Like he, he put his plan into action and showed why that was so unacceptable. So. I think he's banking on Jones playing in front of Ivan Provorov and Ryan Ellis and Rasmus Vistaline and Travis Sanheim and fucking Keith Yandel and and having a better fucking team in front of him. So And and yeah. being the backup, so he's gonna be able to come in fresh. Yeah. He's gonna be able to maybe get a team on a tire night and he, while he's fresh and he's yeah. And, 16... and the goalie coach thing. That's the that's the one thing I wanted yeah. to add. The, his former goalie coach when he was a backup with the Kings, when he was doing very well with the Kings. So that connection is back together, and I've seen some people complain, like how much stock can you put into that? I think you can put a lot of stock into that, like especially if, if goalies. Com- yeah, yeah, weird minds like mm-hmm. goalies, man. They all think alike, and if you have that connection, absolutely, someone who can maybe calm him down when things get rough, be like, "Yo, we've been here before." Deep breath, like I think that's huge for sure. And Jones is a guy that if Hart does struggle this year, that he can come in and take an extended period of time away from Hart. I mean, he was a huge component in that 16-17 run with San Jose in the cup run with uh, Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. So he has shown that with a good team, he can be a pretty good goalie. So I do – I mean, like, the Sharks are just not a good team, especially after that year. After 2016-17 when they went to the, the finals, they kind of have gone downhill. I know they've still been in the playoffs, but I feel like they've always been a team that just has never reached those expectations – and I do think that with a better team, I think Jones is going to have a better year. But like I said, that could just be like the Flyers fan talking to me. Every guy we sign, I'm going to make a case for it. But... I was watching the interview with him as well, and the theme continued. He said, my stats the last <laughs> couple of years, I'm not that guy. I'm, you're not that guy. But like, no, seriously. <laughs> you're not that He was like, I'm not that guy. The guy that played the last couple of years, that isn't me. I'm excited to get a fresh start with my goalie coach and get back at it and prove that I still got it, and I like that. I like that. It's it's the theme of the team, man. It's, it's redemption. It's like a little. Re- I don't even want to say revenge tours. I feel like that gets thrown yeah. around way too fucking much. We're gonna make we're gonna make our own version of it. And I do think Jones will have a better year. Hopefully, like we. I I just think he's in a better situation. So we'll see. 
Absolutely. He 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 and Ristolainen are kind of like in the same tier where it's like, all right, they're taking a step yes. back in, in terms of their responsibility, and we're banking on that to be a positive for them in the long run. It's just a wait and see thing, man. And training camp, it's, it's, I'm excited to see Martin Jones' training camp. If there was one move that he made this offseason that I look back on, I'm like, you could have done better there, Chuck, is that goalie position. Like, there were a couple guys that were left in the market, and obviously we can just look at who's available and be like, oh, why didn't you sign this guy? But, like, there goes there's so many things that go into signing a player. Like, that player could have just not wanted to be in Philadelphia, and we don't know about it. Like, Chuck says that all the time. It just There are some guys who only play in the West Coast. There are some guys who only play in Canada, and the, the fans don't know that. Only the GMs know that. So there, there could have been a goalie that was available that me and you looked at and were like, why didn't he go after this guy? But that goalie could have just told Chuck, yo, I have no interest playing in – the east coast and jones was just the the best option and that was willing to come here you know what i mean just there were so many components that go into yeah. it but i have to give chuck a pass for last year solely because in 1920 there was so many times when hart was like struggling on the road where elliot came in in games against like montreal tough at boston tough road games and he really held it down for the team yeah. so so i do think jones can be that guy hopefully we'll see but that is probably my least favorite move out of all of them that was the one where I was like, okay, <laughs> you know. Like, was... Even the Thompson move isn't above that one in terms of my least favorite because I, I know what Tom I know what the Thompson move is. The Thompson move, like he's Nate Thompson isn't blocking anybody. If Morgan Frost doesn't make the team out of camp this year, it's not because of Morgan. Uh, it's not because of Nate Thompson. I promise you. Yeah, it's a joke. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. But I just wanted to get that out of the way. He's. Nate Thompson is a 4C that will help out in the PK at times. Nothing more. He he's not blocking Frost, I promise you. If Frost doesn't make the team, he didn't have a good he didn't have a good camp. And that's not gonna happen in my opinion, but we can move on. So breakout player for this year, and one player you think you will underperform. I like this. I've been thinking about this for a little bit now. Honestly, I don't know how you're not talking more shit with fucking with I mean if the if the season wasn't as weird as it was last year. I feel like you would have, but I mean, Joel Farabee just led the team in goals as a 21 year old, and he was like your breakout guy to begin with. I know Frost has been my guy since the start, and we're still waiting on him to have his moment. But I mean, Farabee's here, man. He's 21, 22 years old, led the team in goals last year. Is looking to have his third year in the NHL. Like, like he's here, bro. He just looked so different last year. Like coming in with a new number off the start. I think he scored against the Penguins in the first game. He did. He Pretty yeah. Sure. He did. And from there, I was like, wow. And then he had a couple snipes, like that one snipe against the Bruins, the one snipe against the Islanders. Honestly, the list goes on. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how you're not talking more shit because I'll get to it. <laughs> Wait until we make the playoffs. Remember when he scored a goal in the playoffs and I was yeah. yeah. My entire basement was rattling. Yeah, I remember that against the Canadians. Yeah. That... Dude. I know, I hate thinking about that. Could you imagine if they don't come right back like fucking Eshel and score right away, dude, as I'm upstairs celebrating with my dad? It's fucking nuts, dude. Like, the the energy that would have been here would have been absolutely fucking insane. I it hate the fact... more of a classic moment, though, because when you came back down, like, you were mean mugging, pissed off. I was like, did you see what happened? Yeah, fuck it. So. <laughs> yeah, dude. That shit was brutal, dude. Suzuki, too, I'm pretty sure. I, oh, my God. Talk about players that really pissed me off in, in um 
those playoffs, Suzuki and Barzell. Jesus Christ. I will never forgive those players, bro. Speed kills, baby. Bavillier as well. Bavillier is a small, skilled guy that absolutely lit it up in the playoffs. Not that, not only that year, but last year as well. Bavillier was a menace last year, dude. I mean, he's an exciting fucking player. I'm really looking forward to watching more of him, but I really wish he wasn't with the fucking Islanders. But yeah, who would be your breakout player? And if you had to pick one player to underperform, I know it's not fun to do that in the middle of August. Who would it be? My breakout player, and I'm not just saying this because um he's I'm a pretty big fan of his, but I I, I think this year is going to be Morgan Frost's year. I think he's going to score 35 plus points. I think he's definitely my breakout player this year, 100. percent If it wasn't for that injury last year, he would have been on this team and he would have had his first full extended look. So I thought Frost is definitely my breakout guy. A uh, player that I think is going to underperform, unfortunately, I think it's going to be Martin Jones. I think he's not going to. I don't think he's going to have that kind of impact that we're hoping that he's going to have. I think he's going to be decent, but I don't think he's going to be what we uh, what we wanted. Fair about, enough, fair what, enough. My breakout you? player for this season, and stop me if this sounds stupid, but I will explain. It's going to be Carter Hart for me because I think everyone knows he's good, but it's because he's young and there's a lot of hype. And he, he puts a lot of good performances together. But I think this is the year he puts himself into the, the echelon of the best goalies in the league. I think he's going to nah, not be in Vezina voting, but I think he might be in the top five, yo. I mean, if he's going to push himself into the, the top echelon of, of goalies, he would definitely be in the Vezina conversation, if that's what we're talking about. Well, that's fi- finalist. Finalist. I mean, like, yeah. Th- think about it. If he puts himself in, into that conversation, the the jump that he would have gone from because of the be- because of the opinion around him right now would be like ginormous. He he'd be jumping from like a a guy that people think nothing of to Vesna talk. So I think, yeah, he definitely would be a part of that conversation for sure. The underperforming one is is very hard to pick. I was going to go with Nak. But like he already kind of underperformed last yeah. year. Yeah, he's already at the point where it's like, like dude, you you have him as your extra forward right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, how can he underperform when he's eating popcorn? I was also gonna go with uh, honestly, I might change mine to to, to Keith Yandel because I do like Keith Yandel is gonna help out offensively and on the on on the power play, but he is not very good defensively. Like he. There's a reason why he's going to be playing on the, like the third pair. Like, he, yes, he's older, but he is not the best defensive defenseman, and I could see us be extremely frustrated with some of his defensive turnovers that he does have. But I could be, definitely be wrong with him. That's why I didn't pick him. But this this might get thrown in my face. I mean, that's what? the risk you take when you do this. Player who yeah. I think is going to underperform. I, I'm going Kevin Hayes off of the hernia surgery. Yeah, I, there's there's a, a huge chance that happened. And we talked about it with Ghost and, and, and Giroux when they had those surgeries years ago. They weren't themselves when they came back. Like, they weren't themselves for another whole year after that. So, it, it, it is pretty worrisome. All right, so we're reaching the just about end point here. I kind of want to finish up with one last thing on Sanheim. Just kind of wrap it up because that's I assume that's going to be the next... Outside of rookie camp, well, that's the 28th. So, Sandheim's arbitration is going to be the 26th. So, the Sandheim signing is probably going to be the next notable thing that's going to hit our timeline. So, 
Hopefully. To, to leave it here, how do you think this whole thing ends? Are we going to the arbitrator, or, or is this just a no. leverage game? I don't think we're going to go to the arbitrator because, like, what what does what could the arbitrator say that like Chuck and Sandheim's front doesn't already know? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, what are we looking at? Like, is there is there like, a, a different piece of data that they're looking at that like we don't have? Like, I, I really don't think this is that hard of a fucking contract to negotiate. It's got to just be Sandheim's camp wanting more because of the amount of minutes and position that he's played the last two years. Like he, I can see Sandheim's camp being like, he has played in the top four for the last couple of years for your team, so pay him like he did. But I can, you know what I mean? Defensemen have been getting paid this yeah. year, too. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, that's another thing. You see defensemen getting paid handsomely this season. So, I mean, I could definitely... You said it to me a couple of weeks ago. You were like... you. You said Chuck looked around the league and he saw all these defensemen getting these deals. And he was like, you know what? With the year that he had last year, fuck it. Let the arbitrator just take care of it himself. So maybe he does just let it roll right into arbitration if Sandheim's camp doesn't come down in, in price. Because that's definitely what it is right now. It's definitely just pr- price. Yeah, I say they get it done before. it, Just because I, the Flyers always, especially with Chuck Fletcher, we've never heard. Uh, negotiations going wrong or like bad faith negotiations like there's it's always on uh, good terms and it usually always gets done like even when the going gets rough I remember there was talk with like when the TK one got rough for a little bit it always gets done yeah it always gets done he you wants want, to be here. you want to get into the the questions real quick because we do have a couple of those to wrap up so it might, it might be a good finisher for this Oh, I didn't know we had any, yeah. Yeah, we have a couple. We have a couple. So, Adam, our boy Adam, he goes, seriously, is Jack Eichel getting traded or what? And that's honestly a pretty good question because I, I have this. tweeted about it. You did. And um, is that Twitter real? Because apparently, like, he confirmed that it was real. He Like, he confirmed that it was his when, like, people were trying to say that it was a fake account. You know what I'm talking about? Jack Eichel's Twitter account? Yeah, it's his. And he tweeted out that emoji the other day that had, like, 20k likes and like 17k retweets just on an emoji have a sad face like get that dude the fuck out of buffalo bro like what are we what are they waiting for like rookie camps like some teams are already in rookie camps like what dude, are you what, like it cracks me up because he doesn't have a twitter right and then all this shit goes down and the big athletic articles come out and then out of nowhere all you see is at jack eichel pop up and before he even tweeted I went on his account, like, when when he was still at no tweets, he had, like, 5,000 followers, because I wanted to see if it was real, too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know he, I know why he made this. Like, yeah. he, he made this to get his fucking thoughts out, and he used public. No, used that's not, that's not why, bro. You know, you really want to know why he made it? His fucking agent hit him up and was like, yo, you need to go on fucking Twitter. I know you don't want to be on Twitter, but you got to be on Twitter if you want to leave Buffalo. Make an yeah, account. that's what I'm saying. Get yeah, the public behind get you. Yeah, get like get the public behind you. And one, like there, there are board, billboards going up now saying petition to get Jack Eichel out. Like, hashtag get Jack out of Buffalo. Like, he was, it was definitely 100%. Go make, go make a Twitter. I know you don't want to fucking make it, but go make it. You'll get the public behind you. It'll push the Buffalo Sabres to, to, to trade you even more with public push so yeah that's all that was 100 because you know jack eichel does not seem like the kind of person that wants to be on fucking twitter how dare the sabers wait what are they doing trade do what they are doing one to a player of his caliber but even if they were doing it to somebody else like what they're doing is it's like oh my god 
I don't know how this isn't being. How does Owen Power look at this getting drafted first overall? I I would look oh, I'll at. I'll tell it you how he looks. At it. He went right back to Michigan. <laughs> right back to Michigan. And that was he was getting criticized for that as well. And I, I forget who it was. It was a former NHL defenseman. Might have been Carlo Koliakovo. I want to say Carlo Koliakovo. Yeah, he was saying that he probably would have made the same decision because it's either, yeah, you get to go play in the NHL, but you're getting lit up for 82 Lit up. Or you can go play in a winning culture that that York just passed the torch to, ever so slightly passed the torch to him. That team's winning a national championship this year. That team, Beneers is going back, Johnson's going back. And, and and powers going back, so Seattle Kraken will not have Matthew Beniers. USA Hockey, man. Whew. Yeah, that's gonna be Heater. pretty scary. College but, hockey. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I just want to ramp. I want, give me thirty seconds. No, go ahead, dude. With ESPN and all of this stuff happening, I want to see college hockey start getting televised more. Like, I want to see. Uh, I'm sure there's some like NCAA Big Ten licensing rights problem to it, but how cool would it be? To be able to go on ESPN two or on ESPN plus, like the app, the streaming service, and be able to watch like a college hockey game from there. Incredible, dude. I mean we what do you like we we go on fucking streaming services to watch college hockey. Big like, ten network. Yeah, app. bro. And that app sucks, dude. We love it if I can tune on the tune on tune into ESPN and, and, and watch a mission. Dude, they're they are gonna be really good this year. Like extremely good. So if you can tune into any Michigan games, definitely do it. We and do have World a juniors team USA is gonna be yeah. Be fun too. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. CJ goes was wondering if actual training camp is open to public and is there a date yet? Would appreciate a response. Thanks, CJ. We do not have a, we do not have any information about if people are allowed. As soon as that information gets released, you can hit up our Twitter. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll be um, fast. Fast. If if they're if they're allowing people in, I will definitely be there. Danny. Is definitely going to try his hardest to be there, um, but one of us will definitely, definitely be there. Uh, it's, either, it's either I'll be there sporadically, or I'll, I'll be able to go yeah. for the full stretch. But yeah, Danny will be making an appearance. Coots goes new logo alert with the fire emoji. Shout out our boy Coots. It's beautiful, ain't it? Beautiful. I love it, man. Shout out to to, to Naj and and Drew again. Really appreciate you guys if you're listening. I'm, I, I doubt they're listening this far into it, but. Thank you guys again. DesignTree.com. DSGNTree.com. Slash Liberty Dash Yo. Blows our first, I don't know what you want to call it, our first round of, of merch when we first made the podcast out of the water completely. It's just. Oh, it, it feels completely different. It, it's it, awesome. It feels like, uh, you know, I can't even describe it. Nah, it's awesome. It feels like we were being kind of like, not restricted, but in a way, like when you don't have a beautiful logo like you do now, like mm-hmm. you're not living up to your brand so to speak or podcast potential and it, it's cool we have a nice new logo that when i go on the page i'm like yeah i'm like i like that it looks so neat it looks so nice last question and probably the best question because it has actual like depth to it but any chance frost is on the opening roster or do you think he'll have some conditioning in lehigh valley after being out so long i could see either or i wouldn't be surprised or mad with either or uh, he made. Oh, I mean, it's, it's tough actually because he made the team out of camp last year. So if he has another good camp, how can you be like, yeah, you didn't make it this year, but you made it last. So, nah, he'll he'll be on the team. I think. I don't even think that we need it. I was on the. I was on the. Let him get 
one C minutes in the AHL boat until I really started thinking about it. And he was working out with Ghost with the injured players in like late May last year. And I do remember reading a couple of tweets. I, mean, I do remember, I think maybe Chuck said it, that if the Flyers were still playing and like in an actual position, that there was a chance that he could have came back. And obviously the Phantoms didn't have a playoff series or playoffs at all. So he couldn't go there and have a play. That would have been awesome. I remember me and you talking about, like, yo, if he comes back and he's able to just plop right into AHL playoffs, that'd be great for his development. But it didn't happen. But thinking about how like, he was ready. He's been ready. He's been training. Um, he, he's fully rehabbed from that from that surgery. I think he's going to make the team out of camp, just like he did last year. Like Danny talked about it. Like He made the team out of camp last year as a 13th forward with Nolan Patrick being here as the 3C. This year, Nolan Patrick isn't here with the 3C. That 3C position's pretty open. Morgan Frost is here. And just like he did last year, forcing his way onto the, the lineup. Like, last year, they could have easily sent him back and been like, yo, Patrick's going to be playing here. You're going to go to the, the Phantoms and play 1C and play on that top power play and just and just do your thing there until we need you. But they were like, no, you had a good camp. You deserve a spot. So they gave it to him out of camp. He's a 13th forward, and obviously he got hurt. But I think he's just going to do the same thing he did last year and just have a good camp again. Like He's ready to go. He's been ready to go, I'm sure. It just that, that spot's open. Like he's he usually has really good camps. Like he's a good player. Like he he's going to be on the team in my opinion, out of yeah. camp. He's going to be on that roster October fifteenth, hundred percent. And I think that's another reason why they're throwing him, thrusting him right into rookie camp, right? Is because I I think they want to get him set it right off the bat, yeah, him so that he could potentially be in that open yeah. play roster. Set it right in the beginning of the podcast. I do think that him being in development camp is more so just getting him back on the ice, just getting him back into to game kind of conditions battling along the boards like using his using his elite hands his vision like just getting back into the groove of things getting his confidence back absolutely like you said if he does the same thing he did like that dirty shootout goal yeah it's a fucking dev camp and obviously it doesn't mean anything but it, it does mean something for these kids confidence going into the training camp like if allison frost and york can head into training camp and and have really good competition pushing these veteran players. That just makes the team overall better. So you you want good competition because it just makes the team better. So I do think Frost is going to be on the team. I think Frost is going to have a, a a pretty big year. I think he's going to have a a good rookie year with the Flyers. I'm excited. I'm excited to get things going, bro. This has been a good episode. This is an hour hour into it. Absolutely beautifully put on the Frost front. Do we have any more questions? That that was the last one. Yeah, this one was very fun. Very fun episode. And because rookie camp starting, Sandheim's going to be signed. We will be back probably next weekend. Before we go, besides Morgan Frost, because I think he's going to be the best player at that camp because he's just better than them, who do you think is going to be the guy that we're going to be walking away from last day of dev camp, heading back to my car, talking about? Outside of Frost and York, right? Uh, yeah, don't give me. I'm gonna pick York. If, if... Yeah, don't give me the guys that are like obviously better. Like, don't give me York. Don't give me Frost. Don't give me Allison. Give me somebody. I mean, you can give me like you can give me Tanner Lazinski if you want to. You, like, give me some of those. I'll give you one after. All right, I got it. Go ahead. I honestly didn't even have to think that. I think it's gonna be the same. I think it's gonna be the same player. Go ahead. Is yours Forster? No, it's not. Okay, cool. Gav. 
Yeah, mine's Forrester. What's you? Uh, I think Connor McLennan's gonna have us being like, yo, okay. Oh yeah, he was on my um my under like obviously I like we have the big names, but my my I call it the Deems Big Three, <laughs> McLennan, <laughs> Denoyer, Arison. There you go. Wait, the Deem wait the, the Deems Big Three. Yep, I like those that. Those are my bro. undercover three. Those are the three guys that. You like because Frost, York, like everyone knows, yeah. like you watch those guys. They better dominate camps, especially Morgan Frost. Daynoyer, McLennan, Arison got something to prove and mm-hmm. expect them to come in and do it. Dude, McLennan had uh, McLennan played in the AJHL last year and he played in the WHL. He played four games in the AJHL, he had two goals, two assists, four points in four games. Then he went to the WHL for the Winnipeg Ice. He played in 24 games, scored 14 goals, 19 assists, 33 points in those 24 games. So I do think he's going to be a player that we're going to be like, okay, he's another late-round pick Friday the Flyer, the 178th overall in 2020. So depth, man. Fucking depth, baby. Cash money. That's all I think it is. It's, 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 it's cash money. It's house money, man. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Deep pipeline still. Follow us on Twitter at the Liberty L. Beautiful brand new Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful <it>. brand new Twitter. <laughs> Give us a review on iTunes if you can. Yes, please. And we'll be back next week. Stumps. One more thing. Go for it.